my podcast, How to Launch a Creative Business, Episode 7, Why You Need an Email List in Your Creative Business. Working on email list building and content is often one of the key things that my clients want my help with, and perhaps they haven't even considered how vital it is to creative businesses at all. And um, together we explore why, what and how to harness this amazing sales channel. Um, and obviously with my signature style, I try to do it without feeling icky, repetitive or boring as well. So today I'm going to look at this in more detail with you. So why do you need an email list? A well-crafted, purposeful email is still one of the best ways to engage with your audience and create those all-important connections with your ideal clients. If you can create a relationship where you are regularly providing considered, helpful or enjoyable or fun content that can only be accessed by being on your email list, you are much more likely to be creating future customers and clients. It's really an opportunity for you to establish your authority in your niche to allow your potential customers to get a feel for your approach, knowledge and skills, and hence how or why they might wish to buy from or book you. So the key to building any part of your customer relationship is consistency. You need to decide when and how often you can commit to creating your email content and stick to it. And this is often one of the hardest things to do is to really think about uh, how how often you are going to be sending these emails and to be able to create the content for them on a regular basis so that you don't have that typical, oh, I'm going to send an email every week for six months and then everything kind of grinds to a halt for some reason where perhaps you've got lots of work on or you've got family issues to deal with and then basically your email list becomes stagnant. It It sticks there waiting for you to come back. Your customers might not know what's happened. They might start to unsubscribe in droves as well because they're expecting content that they're not getting. So you really do need to consider that consistency um, first and foremost. Importantly, an email list will also always be yours. It's not subject to those algorithm changes like social media or Google. You own and control it. So it's one of those areas that I feel is often underused in creative businesses and that's partly I think to do with technology sometimes people get a bit overwhelmed by the different platforms available they don't necessarily know how to choose one or they choose one and then find it very very difficult to use it or to set it up so that's also one of the hurdles that I often work with my clients on Um, and the next thing really is how to get people to sign up to it and I think there are three main areas that you can create maximum opportunities for potential customers to see your email subscription opportunities. So number one, obviously, it's going to be things like ads. So Facebook, Instagram, Google, whichever is your favorite platform, uh, you might present your newsletters for sign up, usually by offering a freebie or a lead magnet. So that's a piece of content that you uh, create that's really, really high value and that you offer for free in exchange for your for the for the customers email addresses um, secondly is social media so talking about this freebie or talking about what you what, what the amazing content is that you create for your newsletters so talking about that on your social media posts as well as adding an easy to find sign up link in your profile bios and things like that uh, and then the third area of course is going to be your website 
So the obvious ones on your website are going to be things like pop-ups, there's going to be sign-up areas, call to actions on your website, uh, and, so, and so on and so forth. Sometimes you get like a little header thing that you can put in, for instance, that's available on Squarespace and Shopify websites. Um, so there's loads of loads of areas that you can ensure that your customers are seeing the, the opportunities to sign up and to get this amazing content that you're going to be creating. So one of the biggest hurdles going forward then really is what content to include. And I think this is another reason why people often start off their newsletters and then become a little bit disenchanted with them because maybe they're not getting results that they want or perhaps they don't feel like they've got enough subscribers. Um, and so creating content can often seem like a little bit of a waste of time. Um, but it's one of those things that really you can really start to maximise by just being consistent, as I say, and uh, gradually building your list over time. Uh, so I would normally say waiting until you've got like 50 to 100 subscribers before you start sending out and creating very specific content for them. Um, but the content of your newsletters will vary based on your own individual business model, whether you are selling products or services, and also how many types of different ideal clients you might have. If you have different ideal client profiles, you might want to consider segmenting your subscribers into different areas of interest. So perhaps having a separate tagged list or segment within your list for those that are interested in workshops versus those that might be, say, interested in your products. And that way you can make sure that your content is really specific and truly useful to each demographic, to each ideal client. You want to ensure that your emails are really engaging and also in your brand voice. So think about the things that you want to learn or hear about when you're considering a purchase or hire. What are you interested in? What engages you? What newsletters do you actually really enjoy receiving and reading? The format might be relevant too. If you write really beautifully engagingly, then maximise your skills there. You know, talk about things, have maybe a short story or a short, you know, a short version of a blog post, something like that. If stunning imagery is your thing, if you're a photographer, then make sure you include plenty of those beautiful photographs um, and really um, showcase the very best of what you've done that week. Video content is also really increasingly popular and a video diary style could be a really great way to engage your audience. Whatever content you include, always try and make it unique to your email list, something that your audience can only access by being on your list. For example, unique help, inspiration or discounts, first access to your workshops perhaps, or limited product ranges for subscribers only, for example. Encourage email responses too. If you have a question that you would help you understand your audience better, then ask it in your newsletter or your emails. This is your opportunity to give somebody their opportunity to personally reply without it having to be on social media and publicly viewed. So make sure that there is at least one clear call to action in every email, the same as you would for a blog post or a social media post. Think about the purpose of what that email is for and try and make it really obvious what you're wanting the readers to do. So for example, shop a sale, view a new collection, book a call, listen to a podcast, uh, read a blog post. The premise is that you want your readers to, to want to go and find out more about what you are offering. So the more that they, time, they spend time on all your channels, the more you build that know-like trust factor, which will ultimately lead to more sales and bookings.
make that email so worthwhile that your ideal clients will never want to hit that unsubscribe button. And that leads me on to you know, another point, which is dealing with those unsubscribes. So sometimes you can set within the email platform that you're using, you can put a little mini survey and say, you know, and, and ask people, why are you unsubscribing? What is it about the emails that you're not enjoying? Is it no, no longer relevant? Have they actually just bought what you're selling so they no longer need to be on your email list? Or, you know, have they just, they've fallen out of interest with what you're creating? You know, if you can find out why people are unsubscribing, it will really, really help you modify, learn and improve your emails. Um, the other thing to do is to try not to get too disheartened. This is really, really hard when you get an unsubscribe. Like I, I feel every unsubscribe really hard um, and I try not to let it affect me. But it's kind of natural to um, to feel a little bit disappointed when somebody unsubscribes, especially when you put a lot of time and effort into creating really great content. And that's not an always an easy emotion to to manage with the email lists. Um, you know, and, you know, I've been writing, writing emails for, you know, over, over a decade now. And I still, when I see that unsubscriber, you know, that really still does, does kind of hit, hit hard. So I think know that you are not alone in that. So when you do get the unsubscribes, try and reframe it in your mind as to say, well, that's okay, because clearly they just weren't ever going to be my ideal client. Clearly they weren't ever going to be the perfect match for me we weren't ever going to be aligned and actually by unsubscribing they're doing us both a favor because it means that the people that are on your list are genuinely engaged they're genuinely really interested to hear from you and that's much better than having an email list with thousands and thousands of people on it of only whom a small percentage is really interested so try and reframe those unsubscribes in your mind if you can it is a hard task I'm asking so I I do get it so leading on to that, you know, how many subscribers do you need? And I would say here, you know, numbers are really not as important as engagement. You could have thousands of subscribers, but if only a few of them are opening your emails or only 1% are clicking through to where you're trying to send them, then you're not harnessing the true power of what your emails can be doing for you. Perhaps your con- your content is just not interesting enough or compelling to get them to take action. Perhaps the opening click rates that you're getting are just not really where you want to be and you do need to pay attention to these metrics and um, every email platform that you might be using will have the analytics function so you really can drill down into what people are doing how you know how and when they're opening the emails how often they open them as well quite often if people are really interested they might open them several times they might click through several times. So if you can see that people are hitting those hitting those outward bound links more than once, then you can guarantee that they're seriously thinking about purchasing or booking with you. So if you get if you're not getting a good percentage of your subscribers opening or clicking, then think about revamping the way you present your content to be more engaging. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is just a few good overall tips. So tip number one, choose an email platform that you really feel confident using and understanding and that is affordable for you. There are a great many to choose from now so the choice can be a little bit overwhelming. My own personal current favourites are Squarespace because I have a 
Squarespace website, of course. Uh, so, you know, that's a really, really great option because it's all inbuilt within Squarespace. And this makes it much, much easier, for instance, if you want to segment, like I was talking about earlier in this podcast, if you want to segment into, say, purchases. So if somebody's bought a product from you, then you will be able to identify those separately from the people that haven't bought from you. So you can um, drill down in terms of, you know, what's what's leads and what are existing customers. So you can create specific content for each of those different demographics. I also find the things that I like about the Squarespace email as well is that you can directly pull your blog posts and podcasts directly from your website. So it takes a lot less time to actually craft an email. I I used to have um, MailChimp for quite a few years before I switched to Squarespace. And I found that actually trying to get them to look good took a really, really long time. And I love the Squarespace aesthetic and I really like that it you can pull all of your branding and pull all of your styling directly from your website into your email so everything stays on brand. Um, you know, I think this is one of the things that makes using the Squarespace email system one of my favourites, um, one of my, my best choices that I've made since I, since I rebranded and relaunched um, a couple of years ago. So... I think do really explore what your options are with different email platforms if you haven't already started. If you have already started, it's usually really simple to switch. So when I left MailChimp, for example, I exported all of my lists as just uh, spreadsheets, like as CSVs, and then imported them into the new Squarespace system. Um, It wasn't as easy as I was hoping, but it also wasn't terrible. It didn't take me days and days to sort out. So you know, don't be put off if you've started with an email system that you just can't get to grips with. Just export your current list and import it into a new one of your choice and see how you get on. Um, one of the other ones that I really recommend and I use currently for um, a handful of my coaching clients is Flowdesk. It's really attractive and easy to use. Similarly to Squarespace, it's just straight out of the box, aesthetically really pleasing. Um, But I also feel like it's being developed with non-techies in mind. So it's actually pretty easy to pull together, you know, a nurture sequence to set up a welcome email sequence, that kind of thing. Um, And also to be able to set up different interests, um, which is a type of segmentation that you can do within Flowdesk, which again makes it super easy to use and really useful when you're trying to reach customers with very specific content. So if you're as I said before, you know, workshops versus products, perhaps, or, you know, things like that. So, um, so yeah, choosing the right platform for you is going to be really, really important. Um, so you need to think carefully about what kind of functionality you need, first and foremost, and how and what and whether it integrates easily with your current website platform as well. So Flowdesk, for instance, integrates great with Shopify. Um, and I've, integrated it with Shopify for a few clients now um, all very simple to use and set up um, and of course you know flow with Flowdesk as well you don't necessarily even have to have a website yet so you can just set up a landing page and start to collect email addresses before you've even launched so if you're at that point in your business where you're you know you haven't got a website up and running just yet um, but you want to start you know building your audience 
straight away, which I strongly recommend that you do. The sooner you start, the sooner you'll have that great client base. Um, then you can use Flowdesk in that way um, and it's very, very simple. Um, the next thing, number two tip, <laughs> is to create at least one really valuable, really great lead magnet or freebie that your ideal customers will love that they are prepared to give you their email address for. So um, a few examples of these might be a how-to guide, it could be a free download, um, it could be a discount code for your shop, or it could be, you know, like a launch discount, it could be a kit list, um, you know, any of these kind of things are always going to be really desirable. Don't be afraid to go and have a look around some of your competitors and see what kind of freebies they're offering you know how could you take it one step further and make it even better like what could you do to really um to really make those those clients want to come to you over over the competition um tip number three uh, promote this lead magnet so quite often i think people spend a lot of time obsessing over what to create how to create it making it look really beautiful all of which are important things but then they fail to actually talk about it enough. So you need to promote a lead magnet at least once a week on your channels um, with ads as well, if you if you have the budget for that too. Um, you know, and if you want to be getting in, you know, a consistent number of leads every week, then the very easiest way to do that is to have, uh, you know, a good a good Facebook or Instagram ad that promotes your lead magnet, whether it's, you know, a, a, you know, a small priced lead magnet, you know, the lead magnets don't have to always be free. They can have a low cost too. Um, you know, I, you know, my, my book is under five pounds and, you know, it, reg it regularly provides me leads into my email list. Um, and I found that to be a really effective way of managing my, clients and my leads because I know how many books I have to sell to get my return on investment that means that I'm fully booked um, and I can tweak that to create more clients if I need to or to dial it back to um, you know if I'm if I'm fully fully booked um, then I can dial it back and I know how much I've got to spend versus how much um, work I'm getting in so that's a really really useful extra tip as well there um, so yeah, just talk about your lead magnet and promote it as much as you possibly can. So tip number four, create a nurture sequence of five to seven emails. So a nurture sequence is our emails that follow up on that lead magnet or that purchase um, or that sign up. Um, you know, so if somebody buys something specific from you or if they sign up to your newsletters, you're going to be sending out a sequence quite rapid fire so usually every day or once every couple of days following on immediately from that lead magnet download or that um, initial purchase and these emails should as this as the as the say as the name goes nurture these new leads into wanting to become customers so you're going to be giving them you know really really great content you're going to be addressing problems that they might have. You're going to be maybe sending them testimonials, all of these kind of things. Um, and all of these things help them to um, to realise why they should choose you, you know, why you're so great. Um, so, yeah, creating a really, really great nurture sequence is really, really vital. So tip number five, 
use and therefore collect when you've got the signups the first names as well as email addresses so you can address your subscribers personally so quite often these are called merge tags but all it means is that you can start off your email with like hi kate you know something like that rather than hi friend or hi there or you know just being able to use somebody's first name instantly makes it more feel more personal um, and helps to make people feel more comfortable when they're reading emails from you like it is just a personal email between the two of you um, so that's always a really really great tip to do that number six write really good attention grabbing subject lines so the subject lines often determine whether people open your emails at all so if people don't open your emails, all the hard work that you've put into great content within the email is completely wasted. So think really carefully about what makes a really good subject line. Don't make it kind of clickbaity though, because I really hate those. I, I hate it where you, like, you're kind of insinuating something that's not actually contained within the body of the email. So keep it, you know, keep it on brand for you, keep it in your voice and make it, you know, attention grabbing, but not kind of, yeah, just don't do that kind of clickbaity headlines because there's, there's nothing more off-putting, I don't think. And, you know, it really starts to work against you in terms of authenticity as well and trust. So be careful with your subject lines. Make them good, but make them truthful. Number seven, look at your statistics for each mail you send and learn from it. So specifically your open and your click-through rates. So, you know, what's great for your niche will vary quite a lot um i usually get between 15 65% open rate for my emails um with a further sort of between well it depends really sort of between 10 and 30% click through rate um it it very varies depending on you know what i'm actually talking about that week um so you know, and for your niche, that might be completely different. So a good open rate for your niche might be 30% with a 2% click-through rate. So I think realistically, it's important to understand your statistics in terms of how they relate to your own stats. So keeping a record of them over time will help you understand them rather than necessarily comparing them to others, um, which I don't think is terribly helpful. A lot of it's just vanity metrics. I think as long as your emails are doing what they're supposed to do which is to bring you in clients and convert then you know the the percentages are less important than the results if that makes sense so it is you know are you getting the return on those emails that you're expecting or that you would like to have um so number eight finally respect your subscribers so don't spam them with too many pointless emails you know Keep your content relevant, interesting and enjoyable. You're rewarding them for their loyalty. You want to really truly appreciate people for being on your email list. I know I never take them for granted. You know, I'm I'm so happy for each and every subscriber that I get. And, you know, I think that makes me want to make that content better for them, to be more engaging, as you know, and to give them as much as I possibly can you know, to give them, you know, I mean, in my emails, I give away some free images every week, a free image every week, sorry, I give, you know, hopefully give some really, really great other content. Um, And, um, you know, when it's when it's relevant, I make sure that I give them first opportunities on new workshops or 
things like that or discounts on my my courses and things like that so reward your subscribers be grateful for them and show them that you care uh so i think there's loads more that i could say about emails you know i might even do a full one on nurture sequences at some point um but you know i think be clear on what the purpose of your emails are make that content really really great and keep talking about it just keep talking about the fact that you've got these amazing newsletters going out um however often however often you decide that you can send them out so i think i'm going to wrap this one up here if you do want help with creating the perfect lead magnet or crafting content that is relevant and purposeful and that converts then do get in touch with me in the usual places and i will see you on the podcast next time thank you